The Bright Horizons Parenting Podcast, just for ages zero to eight. Get the advice you need from our own early childhood experts, Rachel Robertson and Claire Goss, and make the most out of every chance to teach, play, and love. In this episode of Teach, Play, Love, Rachel and Claire discuss solo parenting. Raising children on your own can feel overwhelming. You'll hear about the challenges and joys of being a solo parent as Rachel and Claire share their own life stories and give valuable advice to help overcome stress, make connections with your children, and enjoy life as a solo parent. Hi there, Claire. Hi, Rachel. Um, Before we get started with our topic of the day, I've got two quick things to say. One is that I'm getting over a head cold, so I apologize to our listeners for how nasally I sound. <laughs> Can't be helped. I get a cold every single spring. This is you just where I'm at. You sound pretty good to me. Okay, great. The second thing is that I'm really excited because we get to announce on this episode that we have set up a Teach, Play, Love phone number and email address so that our listeners can have the opportunity to call in and leave us a voicemail or send us an email message. With whatever you'd like to tell us, we would love your feedback. We would love to hear your ideas for future topics. We would love to field any concerns or challenges or questions or curiosities you have about parenting young kids. And uh, we're really excited about it. We just felt like we wanted to do a little more interaction with our audience. So yeah, I'm so excited. We're giving people a reason to use their telephone for a phone call. Yes, <laughs> but exactly. of course we'll, we'll have the email too, but I think, you know, we just celebrated our 50th episode and we both were saying it, we could, we could find more and more topics, but we really wanted to make sure we knew what people wanted to hear about and what they wanted to talk about. I just was on a plane the other day and I heard two people behind me talking about parenting issues. And I wanted so badly to turn around and like pop my head over and be like, hi, I can help. Um, But I did not do that. I'm not going to be that weirdo on the plane. But uh, I thought I like if these people called in, like this is where we get our material. This is through what people are talking about and what questions they ask us. So I, I'm, I'm really excited to hear from people that are listening to this and, and that we can truly, truly be part of a parenting network and village for, for one another because we'll be connecting more. Yes. Yeah, so join, join the conversation with us. And it, to get that phone number and that email, it'll be at the end of the episode and also on our website and all the places and on the internet that, you know, you can find that good information. Okay. Yeah. So now we can move on to our topic of the day. Today's topic is, we're calling it solo parenting. So I thought, Rachel, we could probably, we should probably start by just clarifying what we mean by that before we dive into it. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, we always do a little research on a topic, even if we know a lot about it. And even if we've experienced it ourselves, because that's our commitment to all of the listeners that we're bringing you research based, well-informed information peppered with our stories of our experiences and our expertise in early education and and development. So we did the same thing here. Um, And we know that there's all kinds of solo parenting. And so being a a lot of people identify as a single parent, but that it, 
there's different situations. Maybe you're temporarily a single parent. Maybe a spouse travels a lot. Maybe you are um, living in two different households, but working really well together. Maybe you're living in two different households, but not working really well together. Maybe someone's in the military. Maybe there's, maybe, maybe there isn't another parent by choice or, or something has happened. Um, so there's all different kinds of parenting that isn't what we still probably think of as the traditional dual parent household, but there's actually more and more non-traditional parent dual parent households. So we really, we're, we're capturing all of it and we're not competing. There's no better kind of single parenting or solo parenting. We're just take what you want from this conversation. There's a little bit for everyone, but this is really about people that don't have a full-time second adult functioning as a guardian parent in the household with them pretty regularly. So solo parenting yeah. is the name we chose. We, we, you know, however people identify with that is we are, we welcome you to find your, find your own situation in that um, phrasing. That's right. And we both, you and I both have experienced this in different, so you and I are a good example of how differently this can present. So I, um, had a phase of my parenting when my kids were really young, where my husband was traveling for work every single week. And when he was gone, he was virtually unreachable from Monday to Friday. And then he would surf, he would bubble up on the weekends, but that Monday to Friday, and I had a, a baby, a toddler and a preschooler. And so from Monday to Friday, I did have his financial support. I did, I did get to talk to him once or twice, maybe a week, but for the most part during that phase of parenting, I felt very much like a solo parent. Yeah. I was fielding all the day-to-day -day everything. Um, and I was also raised by a single dad. Um, later in my childhood, my mother passed away. He was a single parent unexpectedly. So I have that perspective as well yeah. of being, yeah. of being the child of a person who is parenting alone. And I know you've got experience too, Rachel. Yeah. Yeah. Those are two very different examples, but same so fit into the category of someone. And it's a lot about having to make decisions by yourself uh, and not having, th that's kind of what is similar about all these situations. Um, I was in, uh, married to someone that was in the military. And so we went through some pretty significant deployments, um, some where he was somewhat reachable and somewhere he was completely unreachable and in fairly stressful situations. And then for most of my children's childhood, I was 100% on my own parenting. There was no shared financial or uh, custody or any anything shared. So um, so we, we all four, like we've covered four situations, just the two of us yep. and, there's, and there's plenty <laughs> other out there as well. So that again, wherever you find yourself in this, you're welcome to just listen and, and, and see what m might be most helpful to you. Yeah. So regardless of what the configuration is or what your situation is, I can say with some certainty that this is really exhausting Yeah, and it's very challenging. And I think, you know, all parents everywhere, regardless of the family structure, it's a challenging job to have. It's a joyful yeah. job and it's a challenging job, but um, being a solo parent of any type of circumstance is an extra layer of stress. Um, but there's some really good news here. And I, we can say this with some authority, not just based on our personal experiences, but also what we know about the science of child development and brain development, which is that kids have really, really wonderful outcomes when they are exposed to parents who are warm and responsive and loving and also set good boundaries and do good teaching, regardless of how many of those parents they have. Right. And doesn't even have to be a, like a biological blood related parent. Right. We know this from so many different family structures. So it doesn't it's not about you have two exactly two parents 
who are around 100% of the time and they are both equally invested emotionally and financially. That's not how it works. That's not real life. Yeah. So kids have really great outcomes regardless. Yeah. Yeah. What you said, you know, parenting is hard. I think one thing that happens to people that are doing solo parenting is there's a lot of guilt and a lot of worry about getting it wrong. And that can erode the, the joy. And so to really be cautious about having that happen to you. I remember I was doing a parenting workshop and when I, I used to do a lot of live parenting workshops before the pandemic. And often I had parents hanging out afterwards to ask a personal question. I remember one man came up to me and said, I don't even know what my question is, but I feel like I'm doing it wrong. And he was oh. going through a divorce. And then I asked him a couple of questions and he was, everything was great. And so it's that I was just felt, you know, really, he stayed with me because he just really needed reassurance. And I felt real empathy for him and that he just was sure he wasn't getting it right. And I think that's yeah. a lot of, a lot of parents in general, but a lot of people solo parenting, they're just so consumed by getting it wrong or feeling worried about what their kids are missing, that they miss out themselves on the positive part and the joy of childhood. And yes, I'll reaffirm what you just said is you can get it right and have your children have a joyful, positive, enriched, loving childhood as a solo parent. There is nothing that prevents that from happening. There's nothing about that situation that is a, that, that makes it a guarantee that your kids won't have a good outcome or a good childhood. That's right. So if you're having any feelings about what we just said, like you're still feeling, even after our reassurance just now that you're still not getting it right as a solo parent, we can recommend a few things to think about. Um, yep. And this, this is advice for all parents everywhere. Right, right. Yeah. So, you know, we'll go ahead and talk to just our solo parents for today. Um, there are some things that you can consider. Um, and my number one tip is to focus on relationships. And I, I know, Rachel, you've got a lot of good yep. strategies about that. Yeah. I mean, one of the th- things we talk about in our programs in our early care and education centers is this idea of prime times. And this is a term coined by our previous senior vice president of education, but it just works for everything. It is to think about those moments of one-on-one time with your child. Usually it's during some sort of caretaking or, or transition. It Often it's helping kids get ready for school or packing lunches or mealtime, or maybe it's driving them in the car when they're a little bit older or what, whatever it might be. Use those times. Don't have those be throwaway times. Turn those into good moments. I had my teenagers like to be on their phones when they were in the car with me. And I would say, just this is, this is our time. I'm going to need you to put that aside. There was plenty of eye rolls, but um, that that was a prime time for us. And that happens a lot when you're young, when they're younger too, you're just, so don't rush through those things. Use those moments. It is about the quality of your moments and your presence. Don't have your phone on the side. Don't have the television on in the background. Just really try to have these moments and not, it's not about the big giant things. It's about those moments. And that's where the relationship is built. We know that that's where our relationships with our friends are built. That's it's right. the same with our children. Yeah. One of my favorite prime times for those of you who've got the really little littles was always a diaper change, which, mm-hmm. you know, I went, so sometimes you're just on autopilot, right? Sometimes you are trying to multitask and you're thinking about, I'm going to respond to this email. And then I got to text grandma back and then I, and while you're changing the diaper, but it's such an easy grab yes, to just take that two minutes and make some eye contact, be silly, sing a song, ask them some questions. It doesn't matter if they're not talking back yet. You can just look at them in the face and say, guess what I'm doing now? I'm getting out the new diaper. Right. Okay. Right. Oh, this diaper has a bumblebee on it. Whatever. Just tell them what you're doing. 
make eye contact, use that like loving voice and they will hone in on that. They will lock eyes with you. They will be, that's a prime time. Yeah. It's just part of it. You're already doing it. Yeah. That's how you're building that relationship with your child. And it is really important to put the the technology, the devices, the things that can distract you away. And that's, it's an easier time to do it because it's just a few minutes. It's 10 minutes. So it's 15 minutes. I mean, obviously you shouldn't be doing that in the car while you're driving anyway, but all those other times, if those are the times that you can set that aside and really disconnect, try not to think about work, try not to think about the 50 things you have to do later that day and you and try not to spend time on if I only had another person I could blah 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 do this this and this just be in that moment and that truly is what matters the most if you have more than one child really thinking about how you can spend one-on-one time with each one once in a while even if it's just once a month can be really important because kids really want to feel important and know that they matter to you and in something small I did a lot of I did a lot of things when I look back, I I don't even think this was intentional, but I did a lot of things. I made a big deal out of small things and made Mm. the rituals and special things, no cost, no, but like we would just have we uh, one idea someone gave me actually when I was a military spouse is to just draw a one hour circle around the city you live and let the kids help choose where you wanted to go for the day and what kind of adventure you'd have and research it. And we went to some places that really didn't have much to do, but we'd be like, this is the first post office in this city. Make a big deal about it. <laughs> Make it exciting. You don't have to do anything special or, right. or, you know, like you don't have to spend a lot of money on it and just, just try to have fun, give them something to do, make a moment out of, out of something that might not otherwise be a moment. And that's, that's, you don't have, it doesn't have to be for a long time, but giving kids one-on-one when you can is, they value that quite a bit. Yeah. And the one-on-one time is really challenging when you're solo parenting, but I want to highlight something you said. It's the, the quality, not the quantity. So most young children don't, don't, most of them don't have a super long attention span to play a certain game or do a certain task, but they will remember that you put your phone down and, and did something with them. So you can say like, you know, would you, I'd like to, I'd like to play with you. What do you want to play? Mm-hmm. And their eyes will light up. They'll get so excited. They'll pick something to do with you, blocks or cars or dolls or whatever it is. They're not, you, you might feel like, oh my gosh, I don't have time to do this. Realistically, they're not going to want to play with the blocks for 45 minutes. They're right. probably going to want to play with the dogs for blocks for about five or 10 minutes before they, their attention wanders to something else. And you've done it. Then you've done the thing. You've played with them for five or 10 minutes. You let them lead the play. You tuned in to what they were interested in. You talked Mm -hmm. about it. You narrated it a little bit. And then they kind of drift away to the next thing. And you can go back to doing the dishes or returning that email that you have to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I have, my children are currently 24 and almost 20. And I actually asked one of them last night about the older one. I asked her, um, what what do you remember? Because most of her life I was a full-time, I was full-time single parenting, solo parenting. And she said, I don't even remember the big things. I know we did big things, but I don't remember the big things. I just know that you were always there. And wasn't that so, I'm like, oh, oh you can tell me the bad so things nice. too. But she's like, I don't have bad things to tell you, which was very oh. lovely. I'm sure there's some, but, but I guess she doesn't remember. So they weren't that bad. Um, but, but, and I traveled a lot when I was, when I, I mean, I was very engaged in a career and supporting my kids on my own. And so I traveled for work and I, my mother helped me quite a bit. My, um, both my parents helped me quite a bit. And so that was, I had a network and, um, but so I was gone and she said, it's hard for me to remember you being gone because I just know that you were always available if we were, if I was there. So that, um, 
that was lovely to hear, but I, it just reinforces what we're saying is it's not about these big moments that you have. And, and that's something to think about a lot in, in solo parenting is that to get yourself out of the guilt, we've already talked about that, but also to get yourself out of the competition because you might, that might be a situation you're in or you're feeling, you even see maybe a, um, a family friends are, are going on these lavish vacations and you, you can't do it or you, um, are, are don't have a, a positive relationship with the children's other parent, maybe something like that. And so you feel competitive, but just try to take yourself out of that because it isn't the stuff. It isn't this flashy stuff that makes the difference for the children and for long-term. And, and so there's no time, there's no reason to spend your time on that what they want. And then, then you get consumed by that and you can't be there for their feelings because they have, they have some feelings about the situation. Yeah. Just like they'd have feelings about a different situation. And so if you're consumed by your feelings about it, you can't give them the space they need for their feelings about it. So that's uh that's really important too, is to give them a lot of permission to have feelings, to say, this stinks. I hate going back mm-hmm. and forth to houses. I wish I had another parent. Let them have those feelings right. without you feeling responsible to fix it all or being consumed by guilt over those feelings. Yeah, that's absolutely right. They need, and giving them that vocabulary when we're talking about that under seven or eight year old crew, they're still learning all the words for everything in the entire world. Mm -hmm. So let them have a, giving them permission to have those feelings and helping them label those feelings will, that will turn into a really wonderful, rich relationship with your middle-aged child, your high schooler, your young adult child, that they can feel like they can always come to you and express those feelings too. and I just, I just love what your daughter said to you, Rachel. That's so, that's so sweet. I know it's, it was very sweet. It was a nice gift to get last night. I wasn't necessarily expecting it, but I, you know, the other thing is that it does, it's hard. They, if they weren't saying something challenging to you about this situation, they'd be saying something challenging to you about a different situation, going back and forth. If that's the situation they're in to houses can be challenging. It'd be challenging for me as an adult to be doing mm-hmm. that. So thinking about, you know, put you, putting yourself in their shoes instead of, you know, a lot of times a parent will think like, we're trying to make it easy. I want this to be good for you and f- feel so worried about that. But just think, you know, it is hard to go back and forth to houses. So what can you do to try to have consistent routines and rituals that they can expect? And you may or may not be able to do that with your a co-parent if you have a co-parent but you can do it yourself. Yeah. So you can have a consistency. You can make sure you have duplicates of things. You can make sure things are really easy and predictable for them. You can make sure that they, they know what to expect and they know they have a sense of control over their own environment when they're with you, whether they're with you full-time or whether they're with you part-time. Yeah. This is, that's a bonus educator tip. And I, I'm thinking about what your daughter said, Rachel, about how it felt like you were always there. And I bet I wasn't there to observe it firsthand, (laughs) but I bet that you had your house set up with some pretty good routines and rituals and you had gotten some good, good, um, strategies down for good transitions. And so that's, that works, that stuff works. It works in a classroom and we do it as educators in in preschool and, and toddler classrooms and infant classrooms. And we do it in our homes and that's what makes kids feel safe. It makes them feel loved when they have that predictability. And that actually, it makes it's, it's counterintuitive, but having that kind of um, routine and rituals in place, it feels like it's not flexible, but actually allows for more flexibility. Because when you have those routines mm-hmm. in place, kids mm-hmm. feel safe and loved. And then you can have the random day where you're traveling or the random day where someone's sick or whatever happens. You just get right back to your routine. Yeah. Yeah. And that really helps. 
She she did say one thing I did a lot when they were younger. And now there's all sorts of technology to help with this. But this, this was pre-FaceTime or Teams or Zoom or any of that stuff is that we would go to the library and pick out books and we'd get double copies of the books. And I would take one on a trip with me. So we would, whether I was with them or not, we would read every night. So that is a good example of a ritual routine. And she does remember that. So that was worth all the effort of me sitting in the hallway in hotels and reading books and making voices. And, um, but so she remembers it, but it it was a, I was able to keep that going no matter where I was with her so they could count on that. And I think those things, like you're saying, those kinds of things allow for more freedom for us too, if you think of if you had a job where every single day you had no idea who, what you were going to do, you didn't know the schedule, you didn't know when you had to show up, you didn't know who you were going to work with. That's it's so challenging. You can't feel successful. Yeah. You feel out of control. So the more you can give that routine and ritual and predictability to children, the better it is for them. Then they they feel safe, and then they can express different kinds of emotions, and then they can explore and learn and grow and develop and have honest conversations with you about what is hard and what isn't hard and what they love and what they don't love. And, and, and that's just feeling safe with you psychologically. And of course, physically is, is the most important thing you can do for them. Yeah. And if you want some more tips on routines and transitions, go back and listen to episodes 49 and 50 of Teach, Play, Love, because Rachel and I have some more detailed advice about that. Um, Okay. So we've talked about the kids, how to help the kids feel good and loved and safe mm-hmm. when you're solo parenting. What about, what about you, Rachel? What about the parents in this, in this equation? Yeah. Your feelings matter too. What are we doing for you? Yeah. And it, and it can be challenging. I mean, if you don't get much of a break or you're feeling consumed by things, and I, I certainly was, I am not going to pretend that I didn't have a lot of hard feelings during, during these years. I want one thing I'm wearing a necklace today, very specifically, I haven't worn it for a long time, but I went to go look for it um, because we had a moment where my children were falling apart because I hadn't planned ahead for Mother's Day and they were so stressed because they couldn't buy something for me because I was the only person with them that day. Of course, that didn't matter to me, right. but for some reason, the systems had failed and no one helped them get something. And and so we I we went to a store. I had to like really put aside all of my feelings and about it. And we went to a store <laughs> and I just had to talk to a salesperson. I remember it being kind of embarrassing and I had to share some personal stuff with this person and being feeling so vulnerable. But the salesperson just took my girls around the store. I gave her money oh, and said, and, oh. and then they did. And this is what it was. It was this necklace. And so it's beautiful. Um, it, it reminds me that it was really hard and very emotional mm. sometimes, but just to problem so- solve your way through it and to keep the focus on, okay, like what do my kids need in this situation? I, yes, I feel vulnerable and I'm sad that they have to have this experience, but there's a way through this and it, there's a way through this that's going to be okay. Yeah. And so what did you do in that situation? One of, one of my biggest tips is ask for help. Yeah. Sometimes that looks like asking a sibling or one of your own parents or a really good friend or even a neighbor, someone you know for help. Sometimes mm-hmm. it looks like asking for help from a complete stranger right. in a jewelry store or a supermarket. People want to help people. It doesn't seem like it sometimes in our society. But it's okay to ask for help in those yeah. situations. I And I look for that when I'm out and about too. I'm on airplanes a lot. I still travel a lot. And often I see a parent struggling and I just wish there was... I, I do often offer to help, but a lot, mostly people don't take you up on it. And I just wish for people that there was a less concern over... Um, helping each other. Cause we do, we do want to help each other. We don't want things to be challenging. And especially when you've been through times that are challenging, you know how important that is. 
Um, I think one one point about asking for help that I want to make is that don't ask it of your children at an inappropriate level. So giving right. them rules and responsibilities is very important. I mean, having kids have jobs and contributing is actually very valuable to them. They will not tell you that, but it is. <laughs> it really is for them to feel like they're contributing. So you could do that. You can do things like, okay, well, how is this household going to work together? What is everyone's role? These are your jobs. These are your jobs. These are my jobs. But what you want to avoid is saying things like, okay, I guess you have to step up to be the man of the family now, which I saw, you know, that's a, a thing I've seen a lot of, or take care of your mother or take care of your father or, or you, you know, we, there's only one parent in the household, so you have to be more responsible. That kind of pressure on children can be damaging and it's not valuable developmentally. There's no, there's no upside of that. You can do that in a different way. If you want to, if you're trying to help a child build their level of responsibility or autonomy or confidence, you can do it in a different way than giving them adult level responsibilities, because that's not only in terms of skills, but also emotions. And they're not developmentally there yet. So that can put a lot of pressure on a kid unnecessarily. That's right. And something that I think, I, I again, I suspect that you're really good at, Rachel, and I think my dad was really good at as a single parent was this idea that you you do create the weather in your household, right? So of course, there are going to be stressful moments. There's going to be some chaos. Mm -hmm. There's going to be some tears sometimes and big feelings about the structure of your family, but your kids are looking to you for every day to see like, what's the temperature today? How, what's the weather out here? How's it going? So, and that doesn't mean ignoring your own feelings. You're allowed to have your own, like you said, you're allowed yep. to have your own big unhappy feelings and stressed feelings. But if you can create that household environment where there's a lot of room for a lot of joy, celebration, love, warmth, responsiveness, while also paying attention to everyone's feelings and, and taking care of yourself. It just, it goes a long way yeah. to that overall yeah. quality of feeling in your home. You know, of course, it's hard when kids are little because you have to keep them safe and you have to be supervising them. Um, but if you can find times and safe ways, and think of this ahead of time to to give yourself a little bit of a break that you can check out or reduce the level of responsibility on yourself. I know, I mean, I can remember a couple times losing it as a parent and uh, my kids definitely remember those times too. So, but but they were very rare. And I did a couple times, like one thing we did sometimes was um, you're on your own dinner and we, I would have stuff like, here are the choices, but I'm just not going to be in charge of it. And of course they yeah. were old enough that they could do something. And I, you know, we it gave me just enough of a break, just enough to not have to do one more thing and to have them do something. And I wasn't going to set the table or cook anything. And this is how we're going to do this. Just, this is going to be okay. And I, um, things like that, where you just can decrease your level of responsibility and your heightened awareness about everything, especially when you're, when you're feeling the stress yourself and feeling overwhelmed because you will, you will. So plan for it. Yeah. So I think what I'm hearing you say is it's okay to lower your standards sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's picnic dinner on the floor or yeah. it's doesn't have to be that sit down with the napkins and the silverware and the whatever it is. It's okay to lower your standards for a lot of things. So maybe your house isn't as clean as it was when you had right. another, if you ever had a partner, maybe your house isn't as clean. Maybe you aren't going to volunteer for all the PTO and communities. Maybe you have to let go of some of the extra stuff. Yeah. And that doesn't make you a bad person. You don't have to have, we're not going for perfection here in life ever. Right. 
And certainly if you are solo parenting, there's just going to be a lot of, a lot of shifting of standards, I think. It's important. Yeah. And, and I, I like that you're saying that because what I, we can challenge the thinking around that too, is if you sitting down at a table together for dinner with silverware is not the important part of that scenario. The important no. part of this scenario is being together and have a r- routine or ritual. So you're letting go of a standard on something that doesn't matter that much, but the part that matters is what you're going to preserve is being together and having a joyful time together and having a predictable routine. So that's where you should look at what you need to let go of is the thing that isn't going to have any kind of, it might matter to you that you have all the clutter off the counter, but the children don't care. That's right. And so let that one go and choose something else that does actually matter for their well-being and your well-being. Cause you're also going to feel better having good connections and positive relationships with your child than having a clean counter if you have to pick between the two. So just just think of that ahead of time. Use your car time when you're by yourself. Shower on a run, whatever. When Whenever you have those couple moments to yourself and, and proactively think of a couple things you can let go of and think of what you can do in a moment where you, you yourself just feel overwhelmed. So the kids don't get the brunt of it. So you don't let it pile up and pile up and pile up and then unleash it on them. That's a really good tip. So the other thing I want to just say is, um, and I know this can be hard depending on the situation, is to be, to tell your story, the stories you tell to your children, make sure that they are about the love that that they were part they, they were a part of. And so this can be very different scenarios. So maybe you've chosen to be a single parent. Tell them the loving, beautiful story of how you chose to be a parent or or how it, they can, what it felt like to have them come into your life or tell if you've, if you now currently have not such a great relationship with the, the child's other parents, still talk about w- the love that they came from or find the positive part of the story. It does affect children to hear the negative parts of the story over and over. They feel trapped in that situation. We never want to make them feel like they have to choose sides or feel bad for their parent. That's not children's job. So we don't want to put them in that place. And and it can be hard to do this. It can be hard to remember or find those stories of joy and positive if it's been a while since you felt those in that situation. Um, but they need that. And that is a that's a gift you can give to them that costs you nothing. Um, might might hurt a little bit inside, but once you do it, you'll see the power of that and the value for your children. And there's nothing, there's just really nothing at all positive. And it can be fairly harmful to get your kids to, you don't want them to have to choose sides. You don't want them to have to feel bad for you. That creates a dynamic that's not even positive for you as a parent. That's really important. I guess the way that we could end this is, I think what we've said a lot is just give yourself grace, focus on the kids. Think we talk about this all the time. Think of the long term. think about what you want to have them remember. And those are the things to focus on. Find the joy in this experience, create a village, find a village, pull people into your village, let people help you. And, and this can be just a very positive parenting experience. It's not a loss. It doesn't have to be a loss. We hope this was helpful. And we hope you could find yourself in this conversation, no matter what kind of solo parenting you're doing. As Rachel and Claire discussed, children have wonderful outcomes in life, regardless of how many parents are in the family. As long as the parent is warm, responsive, loving, and sets good boundaries. By making connections with your children, supporting them through any big feelings, and building a village of support, 
you can navigate the sometimes bumpy road of being a solo parent. Get parenting advice from Rachel and Claire. You can leave them a voicemail by calling 617-673-8881 and your question may be answered in a future episode of Teach Play Love. You can also send them an email at teach.playlove at brighthorizons.com. For more expert guidance on early childhood development, check out our family resources at brighthorizons.com. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to us. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time on Teach, Play, Love. And discover parenting as the joy it was meant to be.